Faith is a secure resting in the person and the promise of Jesus Christ. But faith is a secure resting in the person and the promise of Jesus Christ. But faith is a secure resting in the person and the promise of Jesus Christ. And so when it sees the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of desperation, that's what happens in this fifth chapter. Jairus is in the midst of de- desperation. His, his little 12-year-old girl is at the point of death. This woman that had the issue of blood. Oh, by the way, she had the issue of blood for 12 years. It's kind of an interesting thing what Mark does in this passage of Scripture. There are a number of parallels that we see. He deals with both with, with women or females in this passage of Scripture, a little girl and an older woman. The, the, the little girl was 12 years old. The woman had the, had the issue of blood for 12 years. He, he, they're both in this passage of Scripture referred to as a daughter. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the little girl was the daughter of the ruler of the synagogue. And the idea there was, a, was to convey the, the, the impression of preciousness. This one who he loved very much. And when our Lord Jesus Christ speaks to this woman and refers to his daughter, daughter, thy faith has saved thee, he wants her to know her preciousness in his sight as well. And there she was coming to him in desperation. In desperation, but not with hopelessness. And de- but desperation combined with faith. And whenever our Lord Jesus Christ again sees this faith, you see again, he crowns faith. And the way these words are given to us in this passage of Scripture are given to us in such a way that our Lord is impressing upon us that he wants us to know that it is by way of this faith in his person and his promise that alleviates every desperate person from their situation. There is not an act of faith that our Lord Jesus Christ turns away as we read in the Scripture over and over again. And so what I want to do, as I said before, I want to, I want to present to you this, uh, this, this, this wonderful passage of Scripture where we see our Lord again bringing compassion and power and, united it to, and uniting it to an individual by way of the act of faith. And so we might even say this as we kind of sum up this whole, uh, this whole section of Scripture, that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, is bringing the kingdom of God into this world through miraculous acts of compassion and power on behalf of those who look to him in faith. And what is happening by way of these miracles, and this is one of the interesting things as I, as, as even as we approach this passage of Scripture, one of the interesting things is this. In one sense, we can't lose sight of the thrust of the passage as Mark has it in this fifth chapter and throughout this entire gospel account. What Mark is doing is he is establishing in our thinking that the kingdom of God is truly broken into human experience. And it's broken in by way of compassionate power. And there's a sense in which whenever we see a miracle of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's designed to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and it's designed to show to us that the kingdom is truly broken in. And every miracle in one sense is a glimpse of what the kingdom of God will be like when it comes in its fullness at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is there healing from this physical infirmity? Because when our Lord Jesus Christ brings his kingdom in its fullness, there will be no physical infirmity. Why is our Lord Jesus Christ raising up people from the dead? Because he's showing when his kingdom comes in and in all of its fullness, there will be no death or sorrow. And so our Lord again is giving us this foreview of what the kingdom will be like in its fullness by way of miracle here and now. And again, what connects the individual to all of this is that act of faith, that vital, that vital, important act of faith. And this is why I said that in one sense in this passage of Scripture, we can say that, that faith is like the key uh, that opens the door to the kingdom of heaven. Just something of, a, uh, something of an illustrative uh, uh, statement there. Well, what we're going to do as we work through this passage of Scripture, we're going to focus on the woman with the issue of blood. 
And we're going to look at three things concerning this woman. Number one, we're going to see uh, the plague or her plight that she was in. She was in a pitiable situation. Again, this how many times, and, I, and, I, and I've been trying not to use this word over and over again as I've been preaching through the gospel of Mark. But every time we see somebody coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're in dire straits. They're in a bad way. And this is why I said when the Lord Jesus, when you see these miracles, these are, these are not just acts of power. These are acts of compassionate power. That's who Christ is. That's who your Savior is, you see. And so, again, we're going to see her, we're going to see her plight. The next thing we're going to see is her faith. You know, a wonderful thing by way of this woman's faith. We're going to see something interesting about this woman's faith. Her faith, if I can say this, um, I don't want to have to apologize in heaven to her or anything that I'm saying here and now, but her faith, if I can say this, was marked by certain imperfections. It wasn't a perfect faith. There was almost something of a superstitious element uh, attached to it. But it was a faith that was sincere, and it was a faith that was focused on Christ. And even though she thought that just by touching something, something would happen, all in all, it was a coming to Christ in a moment of desperation. Why am I bringing this out? Because my friends, I want you to understand that even though our faith may be marred by defects and elements of imperfection, and it may, not be a, it may not be the purest of the pure of faith. Christ sees your condition and he responds to an act of faith when it is offered up in a moment of desperation seeking his help. You've heard me say this before. You know, you know the emphasis I try to give on, on correct doctrine. We have to. I would not be doing my, I would not be fulfilling my responsibility as your pastor if I didn't emphasize doctrine. But you've heard me say this. You don't, go to, you don't get to heaven because you passed the theology test. You're saved because your tr personal trust and rest is in Jesus Christ. You may have incomplete knowledge of him. Your knowledge may be in some ways uh, not what it should mean. Now don't get me wrong. Heresy will damn the soul. There's no two ways about it. Heresy, heresy can be fatal. Error can be deadly. But let a person say with the, like the thief on the cross, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let a person say like this woman, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ responds in faith to those who are looking to him in their moment of desperation. And so we're going to see this woman's faith, her plight, her faith, and then what we're going to see is her healing and her salvation. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't just deal with a part of this woman. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see, is, deal, is going to deal with the totality of who this woman is. We're going to find and we're going to see that he speaks to her physical condition. We're going to find and we're going to see that he speaks to her mental or her psychological condition. We're going to see that he speaks to her soul's condition. All these things. Why? Because this is what Christ does. This is the action of the Son of God coming into this world, bringing and proclaiming the kingdom of God has come and has broken through the kingdom of darkness. So that when we consider this woman's plight, what we have to do is we have to consider the passage here in front of us. And the first thing that we see about this passage, as I said before, in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5, we see that our Lord Jesus Christ comes to the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Once again, he's there, and there's this great crowd that meets him. 
And as the great crowd meets him, the first thing that happens is this man, we, our heart goes out to this man. We're going to consider this man next week. This man, this ruler of the synagogue comes and he throws himself down before the Lord Jesus Christ and he implores him to come with him because his daughter is at the moment of death. And in this passage of scripture, that idea that the daughter is at the moment of death, that's exactly what it is. She is literally at the moment of death. Matter of fact, she is so close to death when this man comes to the Lord Jesus Christ that before the Lord Jesus Christ is able to get there, she passes, she dies. That's how desperate the man is. And this man who would have been, who, who would have been a man of respect and dignity, what does he do? All this goes out the window and he falls at his feet. He falls at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and he implores him to come. And there's our Lord. Never turning away an individual in this time of in their time of need. There's our Lord Jesus Christ seeing the situation of this individual. And here we are preaching again Jesus Christ bringing the kingdom of God into the, into the concerns or the affairs of humanity. And what do we find? We find a very touching human story. And I want you to see this. Because as we develop properly the theology of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God into the affairs of men, people don't get lost in this. And as a matter of fact, what gives great weight to the reality of the kingdom of God breaking into the affairs of life is that it all happens in a very human and personal way. It's somebody like you or me that, that we see here on the pages of Scripture. It's somebody like you or me who we see in a moment of desperation. It's somebody like you or me who we see falling down at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Oh Lord, help me, please. And that's what makes this, this breaking into the kingdom so appealing. And again, here's this man coming, and we're going to consider him next week. But at the same time, you see, there's this woman, and she, she heard of the Lord Jesus. But what a woman she was. And she would have been known if she was from that area. It's interesting. Uh, some commentators make a case that she may not have been uh, from that specific area. The reason why they say that is because since she had this issue of blood, she would have been ritually unclean. Uh, she would not have been, uh, uh, you know, her, her presence in public, uh, people would have at the very least stayed an arm's length from her. She was unclean because of the issue of her continual uh, flow of blood. And so ritually, she would have been unclean. So some think, well, because how did she get so close to this crowd? How did she get so close to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe she wasn't from that area. Speculation, we don't know. But we see this woman coming. And as I said before, her plight is very, very serious. It's referred to as a plague here in the King James. I think in, the, in our newer translations, it's referred to as a sickness. Again, it is a hemorrhaging that she is continually experiencing for 12 long years. She would have been a woman who would have shown all the signs of, 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 of physical sickness. Uh, she would have been a woman who, uh, who, who you would have looked on and you would have thought to yourself, boy, um, something must be wrong. There, you know, she, just has, she just looks sick. Uh, this continual flow of blood, I'm sure it was a very, very, very difficult thing. And this adds to, as I said before, to her plight. But even before we get specifically to her plight, I want you to see and understand that there was a plight that she was involved in that we're all involved in. And this speaks to us concerning the importance of this preaching of the kingdom of God. You see, her plight primarily was in the fact that she was still in the kingdom of darkness, like we all are by nature. You know that, don't you? Whatever your situation or station in life, what you are marked by is the fact that you are by nature in this kingdom of darkness. 
That's why the Apostle Paul makes so much of the delivering power of Jesus Christ. I have to admit, I am always taken up when I see uh, the gospel put in the context of power. We see this often. Oftentimes, the gospel isn't just like this nice message that we hear. It's a powerful message that's proclaimed, and it's a message that has power in and of itself. Paul says this, doesn't he, in, in Romans chapter 1? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it, it, the gospel itself, is the power of God. And that's why Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, when he speaks about the, the, the delivering work of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says that he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So the plight of that woman, in one sense, we all share in that plight. And I ask you again, by way of, a, by way of the press and by way of the, what the gospel means, have you been delivered from that kingdom of darkness? I hope and I pray that each and every one of us here has. And so again, her plight is first and foremost spiritual. But her plight in the, on, the, on the pages of scripture here is, is, is presented to us by way of its physical difficulty. And oh, what a difficulty it was. As we said before, uh, here she was in a situation where uh, she was uh, she was infirm because of the because of the hemorrhaging. Very interesting that when we see this passage of scripture, Mark gives to her condition something of an emphasis that we might not immediately see. And the thing that we see here is Mark's repeated emphasis on the fact that her condition, in spite of everything that she had done, was still upon her. Notice what we see here in verse 26. Mark, uh, Mark says the following here. Well, we, have, uh, we have this. And she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Notice how, what we see here. She was right now still having a flow of blood. She, had, she was right now suffering from many doctors. Her doctors were able to do her no good. She was in the midst of exhausting everything she had by way of wealth. She was not in any way improved by this, but her condition was made worse. And what and what Luke, I'm sorry, what Mark is doing here, Mark is emphasizing this fact of this woman's very, very difficult situation. It was in, in a very real sense a desperate situation. Her situation was was as desperate as the as, as the ruler of the synagogues was. She was in a situation where again no one was able to help her. But something about this Jesus of Nazareth appealed to her. Something about this Jesus of Nazareth moved her. Something about this Jesus of Nazareth caused faith to spring up within her. And this is the great thing that we see. Now, as I said before, uh, she would have been considered ritually unclean uh, by way of society at that time. Uh, Leviticus chapter 15 uh, says that's something of a lengthy quote, but I want to read it to you because this is what she would have been laboring under. Leviticus 15 verses 25 through 30 says this, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed that she lies on, all the days of her discharge shall be to her the bed of unclean, uh, shall be to her the bed of impurity. And everything on which she sits shall be unclean, as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. But if she is, and we'll stop for there right now. But what I want you to see here is this. This is, again, by way of, by, by way of uh, ritual purity, uh, by way of societal pressure, she would have had all that added to the, uh, the, the physical weakness that she would have been experiencing because of this continual loss of blood. So when we look at this woman, we see the following. She seemed to be without friend or family. She comes to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. 
She seems to have been in an impoverished situation because of her spending all of her money. She was certainly without any human help or hope, but she heard of Jesus. And this made all the difference. Look at verse 27 of, of Mark chapter 5. And when she had heard of Jesus, you see, this, this makes all the difference. And I ask you in your, in your moments of desperation, have you heard of Jesus? I ask you in your times of difficulty, and those times of difficulty may be on you here this morning, have you heard of Jesus? Have you heard of this one who brings together acts of compassion and acts of divine, and, and, and acts of divine power and, uni- and brings them to the soul and the soul receives them by faith? Have you heard of Jesus? Amen. And you see this woman, she heard of Jesus. And this is what gave her this great boldness of her faith. And so that moves us from her plague now to her faith. And there's much to learn by way of her faith. As I said before, I, I want to be careful here because her faith was, has certain defects attached to it. I want to be careful. I don't want to cast her in a bad light. Uh, whatever imperfections that were there in her, in her faith, uh, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, in a sense, was, was still seeing what was genuine there, and he was responding to that. He was, he was making sure that this woman would not leave in the same condition to which she came to, which she came to him. And so we're, we're, we have to consider then her faith. And what's interesting about this is we move to consider her faith. One of the things that I want you to keep in your thinking is that remember that the primary emphasis of this passage of Scripture by way of the flow of the Gospel of Mark is the breaking in of the kingdom of God. It is about the establishment of the power of God over the power of darkness and hell. That the power of darkness and hell has been broken. And this breaking has taken place by way of Jesus Christ bringing in the power of the kingdom. But in the passage, in its human element, the emphasis is going to be not so much theological, if I can say it that way, it's going to be personal. And we're going to see an emphasis given on the reality and the vitality of individual personal faith. And our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be very pleased to shine a particular light on the reality of his faith. And we're going to see that here in a moment. Now, let me just read this, and again, it's pretty much just what I said, but while the primary emphasis in this section is on the Lord Jesus Christ bringing the kingdom of God into this world of darkness, showing that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in his ministry, his great purpose is to save all who come to him in faith, there is in every one of his displays of power a touching human element that must not be overlooked. We've seen this consistently in this Gospel of Mark. It must not be overlooked because the value of the soul of every person. You see, we don't have to make it an either or. It doesn't have to be theology or people. Now these things come together in a wonderful way in the ministry of Jesus Christ. But also because, because of the value of every, the soul of every person. But also because in, in the interaction of the Son of God with sinners, we learn how the kingdom of God is to be embraced by those who hear the call to enter it. It is entered through faith in Jesus Christ. This marked the very beginning of his ministry when he said in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Now after that, John was put in prison, and Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. This is the great push. Over and over again, it's on this, this, this emphasis on receiving uh, the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Well, that's, that's what our Lord is, is doing here, and that's what we're seeing by way of the structure of the, of the passage. But what I want to do is, I, again, I want to ask you to consider the woman's faith. I want you to focus on that faith for a moment. And what I want you to see is that her faith had many obstacles that had to be overcome. 
There were a number of obstacles that had to be overcome. Number one, there was her condition. Here she was. She was ritually unclean. Honestly, I don't know how she was able to be found in the crowd. I really don't. Maybe the commentators who say that she may have been from a different area, maybe that was true. I, I, I don't know. But here she was, ritually unclean. You saw from the passage in Leviticus, everybody that touched her would be unclean. For that reason alone, people would stay at, very, at the very least on arm's length from her. But she finds herself in this crowd because of who Jesus is. And so there was the, there was the obstacle, we might say, of her condition. And you can think, we all think this way, we feel sorry for ourselves oftentimes, sometimes wrongly so, but sometimes we do. And we think, well, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm unclean, I can't, I can't go out in the public, I can't be here, I can't be there. We feel sorry for us. And it would be very easy to think that the woman could have thought that way. We would have understood it. So there was the, there was the, obstacle, there was the obstacle of her condition. Now, there was the obstacle of the, of the crowd itself. She may have been fearful to, to be found out as somebody who was ritually or ceremonially unclean, found in a public place. So there was that obstacle. There was also the obstacle, and it's kind of a strange thing to say by way of it being an obstacle, there was also the obstacle of, as she was in the crowd, who beats her, if I can say it that way, who gets to Jesus first? It was the ruler of the synagogue. Put yourself in her situation. Oh, the ruler of the synagogue. He's one of the most esteemed people in the community. How is Jesus going to listen to me after that man approached him? You see the obstacles. There are many reasons why she could have, she could have turned away. There are many reasons why she could have said, oh, what can Jesus do for me? But this is, the, this is the whole thing I want you to see about faith. And we have to bring this spotlight on faith because our Lord is going to do this. The thing that we see about faith is this, is that faith overcomes the obstacles, doesn't it? Faith, God-given faith, is not overcome by obstacles. God-given faith overcomes obstacles. That's why John says in 1 John 5, 14, this is, the, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And so I'm calling you again to respond to everything that Christ offers to you in the gospel. I'm calling you to respond in faith. And you say, well, you don't know my situation or you don't know my condition. Look at this woman. Faith overcomes the obstacles, you see. And so when we look at this woman's faith, again, we see that she comes. She comes in spite of that. And that is because, as I said before, faith overcomes the obstacles. You see, again, verse 28, she heard of, uh, verse 27, she heard of Jesus. She heard of his fame. I love that passage. I love that thought. She heard of the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, what, and again, this reminds us of what we learned earlier of a few months back when we looked at Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 28. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region round about Galilee. His fame spread. Do you understand how important it is that you make known the Lord Jesus Christ in your context? By way of your testimony of what Christ has done for you, his fame spreads. By way of your testimony as to how he saved your soul, his fame spreads. By way of your testimony is how he spoke peace to your soul, his fame spreads. People will come to Jesus Christ on the basis of what they hear from you. And so here is this woman, her faith overcoming the obstacles. As I said before, it is a wonderful uh, thing to see here. And as I said before, the thing to see here is that her faith, again, it's, it, there, there, there seems to be uh, much by way of... Uh, uh, it's it's a it's 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 something of an it's something of a of a 
of a of a of an infant faith, we might say. It's 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 something that's not marked by 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 doctrinal precision. It's 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 not uh, it's not the kind of uh, faith that maybe we would expect to see uh, looking for a, a a real tight theological definition. But it was a faith that received from Christ all that He promises by way of the power of the gospel. And why am I saying this to you? Because I want you to understand these two things. That while faith overcomes obstacles, it does. Sometimes even a less than fully developed faith is responded by the Lord Jesus Christ positively. Amen. And when we think of, well, my faith isn't this, and what about this question? What about that question? When it's all said and done, Jesus is saying to you, not what about this question or what about that question. Jesus Christ is saying to you, what about me, he is saying. Look to me in your difficulty. Look to me in your circumstances. You see, here is this Lord Jesus Christ, again, making himself available by way of compassion and by way of divine power. Now, again, we see her faith, but not only do we see her plight, we see her faith, and as I, as I said before, we see uh, a number of things about faith that overcomes the obstacles, very important here. Uh, we see that faith, again, even though it may be marked by certain defects, and please don't misunderstand me, I am not making a case for imprecision in our understanding of theological ideas. I'm not making that a case at all. But as I said before, a simple expression of true faith in the person of Jesus Christ is a saving expression of faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? And so again, this is what we're, we're seeing here. Now, when we consider uh, not only your faith, we, we kind of quickly move on to the, re, the, the effects of her faith. And this is going to give us a, an opportunity to examine, number one, something about her faith, but also something about the blessings that she received by way of that. So notice what we have here again in verses 27 and 28. And when she had heard uh, of Jesus and came into the, in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And immediately Jesus, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the, the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, excuse me, who touched, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, and knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. And behold of thy plague. What we see here is, again, we're going to take a look at something about the nature of her faith once again. But we're also going to see the effects and the benefits that she receives from the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want you to see here, even as we move somewhat quickly beyond the, 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 the strange account in this passage of Scripture that just by the touch of Jesus, uh, this woman is healed, number one. And number two, that our Lord senses that divine power has been released, if I can say it that way. We have to give a little bit of caution here. Again, this is these things we have to be careful with. We, we don't want to, again, have a superstitious view of faith uh, so that if somebody were to show us a relic of the cross of Jesus that he was crucified on, if we but touched that relic, that splinter of the cross, again, you see, as I said before, you see something of the, of the imperfection of the woman's faith. 
But what we do have in this passage of scripture is number one, our Lord placing great value on faith. He says, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole. Do you know how many times our Lord specifically attributes to faith the activity of being saved or how he attributes to faith the activity of being healed? In at least six distinct places in the gospel accounts, you have the Lord Jesus Christ saying something like this, Thy faith has saved thee. Thy faith has made thee whole. Be it unto thee according to thy faith. And what our Lord Jesus Christ is doing, he is prioritizing, he is emphasizing faith. Now, this has led many to come, to come away with a very t- twisted, a wrong conception of faith. For many view faith as some kind of power independent of God, which can be wielded by the individual to either force God or make God do something, or in some cases, individuals teach that by your faith, by your words, you can create a certain reality. And what you see is that it's a taking of this of a passage of scripture like this, and others as well. Let me just see if I can catch up with my, with my notes here. And, and, and what you see, or, or is what, what individuals are, are doing here, is that they are attributing to faith, listen to these passages, uh, Matthew 15, uh, 28, uh, uh, and, uh, Jesus, and Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Mark 10, 52, and Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Luke 7, 50, and he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Luke 8, 48, and he said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith has made thee whole. Luke 17, 19, and he said, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And, and uh, Luke 18, 42, and Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. What do we see here? We see this specific emphasis on the faith of the individual. Now, some have misconstrued the words of Jesus. And by that, they have, they have conceived that faith is some type of power, almost independent of God, that makes God do certain things. Or, in some cases, individuals teach that faith creates a certain reality. And what I want you to see and understand, that that's not the point that our Lord is making here. But what our Lord is doing here, very specifically, is this is he is showing that our Lord always honors faith, as I said earlier, because faith honors him. Faith is not a power or an instrument that we wield over against God. Faith is only that instrument by which we are joined to the compassionate power of Jesus Christ. And what our Lord is doing here, he is emphasizing that it wasn't by any other thing that this woman did, but it was by faith and faith alone that she was able to receive this benefit from the Lord Jesus Christ, which not only gave her bodily healing, but also gave her soul salvation. And that's what our Lord is doing. But I want you to notice something here. Do not let the misconstrual of the idea of faith keep you away from the priority that Jesus Christ places on faith. As I said at least six times, he says very specific things about faith as an active element in the life of the believer, as an active element that must overcome obstacles, as an active element that sometimes is not as perfect as it ought to be. But when it comes to rest on the promise of God in Christ, You see, it accomplishes all that God offers and all that God promises. 
Listen to what some people say again by way of this uh, by way of this misconstrual of faith. I, I have to I have to bring this up at the heart. And again, this is this is commonly known in our day uh, through the uh, quote unquote word of faith movement. At the heart of the word of faith movement is the belief in the quote unquote force of faith. You see, they take passages of scripture like this. Faith has a force. It has a power. They're going to say this. It is believed that words can be used to manipulate the faith force and thus actually create what they believe scripture promises, health and wealth. Laws supposedly governing the faith force are said to operate independently of God's sovereign will and that God himself is subject to these laws. This is nothing short of idolatry, turning our faith and by extension ourselves into God. And again, what's happening here is this. There is, again, these great promises in Scripture. There is, again, this great light that Christ himself throws on faith. Faith is a vital element of the soul, originally given by God in regeneration, but to be acted upon in every obstacle of life. My brothers and sisters, I call you to faith, not only to salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, but in his power now to heal, in his power now to help you in your miserable situation. Are you that woman this morning? Well, if you are, there's a Jesus here that can heal. You understand? And he's here by way of the presence of his, uh, by the presence of the Spirit and by the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. And so our Lord Jesus Christ, again, prioritizing and emphasizing the reality of faith, this precious, this precious reality of faith, let's not misconstrue it. Let's not make it into some form of magic. Let's not make it into something that, again, that the Scripture never presented as. But let us make sure that we live up to everything that it is. You need this vital principle of faith in your soul. I need it. We all need it. And so, again, here is the Lord Jesus Christ. This woman, in her misery, what does she do? She turns to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, again, our Lord, again, seeing in that, seeing in that uh, our Lord responding uh, to faith that she has, and, again, making her every whit whole. Well, again, that's the emphasis on her faith. But I want you to see how our Lord responds to this. It's wonderful. It's, very, very, it's a very human interaction that we see here. We can, we can almost uh, uh, picture ourselves in this whole thing. Uh, again, verse 31, the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the, mul- the, the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. It's like one commentator said, Many pressed upon Jesus, but only one touched him in faith. And that was that woman. And notice what he says here in verse th- and, and what we see here in verse 33. And the woman, fearing and trembling and knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Why was this woman fearful? Well, I think that we can make a case that, again, I, because of something of the imperfection of her faith, maybe she thought that she had like taken something from Jesus that she had no right taking. And maybe she was uh, concerned that now she was going to be exposed for who she was. And who knows what was going on in her mind. Maybe it was just the fact that now this one Jesus of Nazareth was calling her out personally, setting, her ga- setting his gaze upon him. And notice what the scripture says. Again, here in verse, uh, in, 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 in verse uh, uh, 34, she comes fearing and trembling, knowing what was done before her. I mean, uh, what was done for her. And again, we can almost imagine this, can't we? Here we are, again, having this great miracle done within us, thinking that we took something by way of stealth. And now the Lord turning around. What happened? Who, who, who touched me? But notice the words that he speaks unto her. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. You see, she may have, she may have thought that she came as an outcast and unclean, but, and who, who maybe has stolen a, bless, a blessing. 
But Jesus says, no, daughter, you've stolen nothing. You've been given a blessing as a daughter of a house. You are as precious to me as a daughter, as Jairus' daughter is precious to him. And what we see here is once again, our Lord compassionately bringing together divine power and human pity for the well-being of that individual woman. All brought into her personal possession by that, by that thing of faith. So do you have faith this morning? Yes, faith to be saved, I understand that. There's a structural element to our faith. We understand, we profess, and we believe. Uh, again, what, what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 10, we, we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart, that we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We, 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 we say amen to the great passage of Scripture in John chapter 3, 16. And again, this is in a very, in a very real way, uh, the, the, the very primary thrust of what faith is all about. It's coming into salvation, coming out of a world of sin. But now that we're in this realm of salvation, now that we're in this kingdom of light, faith isn't left off. We still need this faith, this active faith, this living faith, this faith which rises up against obstacles, this faith which must say against my own unbelief, no, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe I'm going to stand on the word of God here. This faith which is sometimes assaulted by, by those who, who are near to us and say, why are you still believing that? And this faith which says, because that's what God said, because I've heard of Jesus. You see, this is what we see in this passage of Scripture. And so again, this woman now, daughter, daughter, he says. And again, the great emphasis, thy faith has made thee whole. Well, first he says, daughter, go in peace. Remember I said earlier how that the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned not only with our physical well-being, but with our mental or psychological well-being? My friends, I'm telling you, Jesus will speak peace to your soul in the midst of all your tur turmoil. He will not save your soul and leave your mind in knots and in confusion. I'm saying to you, young, young people, my little brothers and sisters, my little friends, I'm saying to you, this Jesus will give you this peace. This Jesus will give you salvation. This Jesus, again, will be to, will be to you all that he is to this woman. Receive him by faith, you see. And so to those of us that may be afflicted in our minds by situations and circumstances, Jesus said peace to this woman. I want you to know and understand that this is what happens when we come to him by faith. Woman, again, peace be unto thee. Or, I'm sorry, not woman, but daughter, peace be unto thee. The one, you who are precious, peace be unto you. You see, the gospel deals with the reality of the, of, 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 of the afflictions of our minds. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and he speaks peace to us. Again, he goes to say this, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Uh, daughter, go in peace. Thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. Why does he use that word whole? Because there's a sense in which the person to be whole, the grace of God must be applied to every dimension of life. And this woman, having come into contact with the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, is now completely whole. We live in a world where much is promised and very little is delivered. We live in a world where much is promised to the well-being of your person and to the enjoyment of your physical state, but little is actually delivered. How many times and how many of us personally have found out that we found that sin was promising more than it ever intended to give and it cost us more than we ever intended to pay? 
wholeness is found in Jesus Christ. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ saying to this woman in her, in her miserable condition, in her desperate condition, in her condition where she thinks in her mind, if I can only reach out and touch, oh, you see, this faith. Yeah, it's not all that it should be. It's not, it's not the faith of a, of, a, of, a, of a theologian, maybe, but it's faith, and it's faith that Jesus sees and responds to. Daughter, he says. Child, son, go in peace. Thy faith, not as a force independent of God, but thy faith uniting you to Jesus Christ has made you whole. I kind of want to walk out of here right now, but I do want to make some applications here. And by way of application, what I want you to understand is this. Do you, do you know and do you see that in all your moments of despondency, there is a Jesus that you've heard of, that you can go to and reach out, that you can seek to hold on to him by faith. You see, in all of your moments of despondency, let not the obstacles to faith keep you from Jesus Christ. Rather, in faith, overcome the obstacles. The second thing I want you to see and understand is that there is no completeness for the person. There is no wholeness to the person except in Jesus Christ. And so... The next time you are in a situation that maybe is not exactly what this woman was in, but it's a tough situation, understand and realize that God brings together in the person of Christ divine compassion and divine power in order that you and I might be made whole, in order that you and I might have peace, in order that you and I might be saved.